Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So what are you supposed to do between each Engadget podcast? Wait in silence? I'm Matt Smith, and every morning I walk through the day's biggest tech stories. It's short, relevant, and ready for listening whenever you wake up. Find Engadget Morning Edition wherever you find your podcasts, or ask your smart speaker for the latest news from Engadget. What's up, Internet, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Senior Editor Devinder Hardwar. I'm Reviews Editor Sherlyn Lowe. Today, we'll be talking about a whole bunch of news and also getting our first hands-on thoughts on Apple's new AirTags and the purple iPhone, I guess. Mm. I guess, right? Yeah, Chris Velasco, our Senior Mobile Editor, is going to dive into all of those things. So join us for that. As always, you can... Find the Engadget Podcast on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. Please leave us a review on iTunes. That's always super helpful. And you can drop us an email at podcastengadget.com. We typically broadcast our recordings live around 10 a.m. Eastern, Thursday mornings. So join us. Check that out. And uh, you can participate in the chat, too. And uh, join us for some Q&A. Let's move on to our first segment. Uh, talked about some of the new Apple hardware, the purple iPhone, the AirTags, and Chris Velasco, our senior mobile editor, has joined us to chat about it. Hey, Chris, how's it going? Hey, guys. I missed y'all. This is fun. Aww. I'm tired. Yeah. We're all, we're all very tired this week. Yeah. How are, how are you surviving right now? What's I, up? I'm good. You know, this, is, this should be Apple's probably last online only launch event. So I'm sort of mm. enjoying it for what it is. I'm, I'm looking forward to like getting back to the Steve Jobs theater next time a thing happens and then like pigging out on in and out when it's all over. But for now, I think everything went pretty smoothly. Although the event was pretty packed with stuff. I think we had like four or five announcements within the first 10, 15 minutes. So yeah, breakneck pace for sure. So your hands-ons for both uh, the AirTags and the purple iPhone <laughs> Yeah. Um, went up this morning. <laughs> what? What do you? It's your call. What do you want to start with? What is most compelling to you so far? I mean, do we? I, I feel like I should ask. Do we? Do we need to talk about the purple iPhone at all? Like <laughs> how purple? Here we is go. It? Tell me about the purple. Oh. There we go. It's <laughs> how purple. It's, is it? it's lavender, which is fine. It's yeah. lavender. It's not like Barney purple. No, if yeah. you're a, if you're a Filipino person or like our connoisseur of Southeast oh, Asian flavors, it's very much it's the color yam. of like ube purple yam ice cream mm. but mm. but like i you know me it, like my reputation at engadget is if i can make a 200 word story a thousand words i will do that but i literally could <laughs> it's just a purple phone it looks nice if you it's it is basically the exact same it's purple fine. as the um purple iphone 11 from 
I guess last year. Time no longer has. Oh, I don't even remember that. Exactly. It was okay. like it was another late edition, and it brought I think uh-huh. their color lineup at the time up to six colors, which is the same for this. But in case the white, black, red, uh, blue, or green models weren't uh-huh. enough for you, hey, purple, fine, hey. sure. Hey. I do. It is wild to me. Like, why would they just come out with another one right now? Is this just a way to spur on more sales for people who were really holding out? I don't know. That that definitely feels like it, but it almost also feels like they're they're adopting kind of like an Apple Watch approach to some of these right, things. Right. So, like, you know, for for those who don't know, every like Apple will release a slew of new like Apple Watch bands and accessories seasonally all just to sort of tie into like whatever the cool colors and and looks are for that part of the year. So, I mean, we've got a pastel purple, it's spring, like Easter. I I forget if Easter happened, but like that's that (laughs) this is like an Easter adjacent. Like there, there, thank you. There are, there are reasons to sort of justify this. And I I personally could get behind the idea of more regular uh, sort of color variant releases seasonally, but I, Color drops. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'd be fine with Where's that. Where's the orange iPhone? I, yeah. The orange iPhone XR <laughs> was, to me, by far yeah. like, the best looking iPhone they ever made. It was uh, it, it was very nice. They're, they're I, okay, okay. Yeah. I, I, I will say, and I think I'll describe this a little bit more for our audio listeners who can't, who don't have the benefit of looking at the phone on the stream. Uh, looking at the comparison between Apple's uh, stream and what V was holding up for us to see, I will say the uh, purple iPhone looks like it's a lot li- like a more muted purple in, mm-hmm. per- in so-called in person. Uh, lavender, like I think. blue at times, yeah. Some people are describing it as a bluish. Yeah, I, I, I see a, more It's as probably purple. the color balance of the screen. So It could that, be. That also- it. Yeah. But but again, it's yeah. more like a pastel. So the green that yeah. uh, you've seen on the iPhone 12 series, uh, you know, the the sort of level of green in there feels like the same level of purple in here. That's what mm. I'm thinking, like a muted yeah. pastel mm-hmm. version. For sure, they should it's, they should have just called it the Ube iPhone. That would have been that would have been fun. Let's talk about AirTags because I I kind of love these things, and I'm not somebody <laughs> I've never invested in tile. I've never really gone on the tile bandwagon for things, but the interface and the just like the size of these things, it looks like something I could just put on my keys, all sorts of devices, and their interface for finding things looks really cool and good. What's your experience been, Chris? So so I, I want to sort of set expectations right off the bat. Uh-huh. I've had these things for a day. There is a reason the story that I have live on Engadget.com right now. <laughs> I, I make it clear it's not a review. I think anyone calling it a definitive review <laughs> yes, is yes. probably overstating things. But mm-hmm. – the experience so far has actually been really good. I want to break it down into two sort of main subjects. First up is the design. And I mm-hmm. I appreciate some things about it. And there are some things about it I don't like. I actually have a couple here. Apple sent me ones that uh, were monogrammed. You can have uh, emoji and certain like initials sort of uh, mm. printed on the outside of the AirPod. But they gave me ones with other people's initials. Yeah. So, <laughs> if your name, so if your name is Jordan Guthman or... Rebecca uh, Jones Taylor, I've I've got uh, air tags for Jason you. Jason Gurdon, like, let me know. I guess Jason Gurdon, uh. exactly. So there are a couple things I like. They're relatively small. They're a little bigger than a quarter. Uh, they're about the size of like those little buttons that you'd probably see pinned to someone's lapel or their backpack. Mm-hmm. But they are uh, completely easy to open. You just sort of twist the back. Uh, that reveals the CR2032 watch battery. So these things are rated for mm-hmm. about a year's worth of use. Once that's done, you walk down to a drugstore or you jump on Amazon, you order a multi-pack of these watch batteries, and you're basically good for another couple years, which is actually really quite nice. And 
more mm. consumer friendly than I'm generally used to from Apple. So on the whole, the design is as simple as it needs to be, and that's quite good. But there are a couple things I kind of wish they had just made a point to include. For one, I I would love to get one of these in my wallet. Like Apple makes yeah, a key ring, yeah. which is great if you want to start using one of those. But I lose my wallet constantly. And it's just <laughs> the edges are just like a little too it's curved. Too fat. Yeah. To yeah. support, like, I would love to get, like, a little piece of, you know, double-sided tape or something and stick this to my wallet mm-hmm. just to make sure. But I don't know that that would work great long-term. The other thing is, unlike basically every other object tracker out there, so the tiles or Samsung's Galaxy Smart Tag, there's no integrated keychain loop. Mm-hmm. So you can't just, like, add this to your keys, which seems like a very minor emission. Yeah. Yeah. But it is also a very Apple emission, right? Because it is does it buzz- is it buzzing for you, Chris? Because I'm hearing some Sorry, yes. Something. So that's that's yeah. the alert tone that it makes when you uh okay. sort of put the battery back in and it starts making sound. Okay. And I will say okay. the speaker on this thing is surprisingly loud, and that is huge. I mm-hmm. you know, if you're if you're an Apple Watch person, you might already know that you can ping your iPhone from your Apple Watch. And I've had to do that many, many times to figure out exactly where in my apartment I left my phone. I was concerned mm-hmm. that the speaker in these guys wouldn't be loud enough because these are obviously very small devices. The speakers themselves have to be physically very small as mm-hmm. well. But I was testing this out in Oakland with our uh, great video producer, Liv Oprescu. He hid this thing in his backyard. There was like wind. There were <laughs> kids playing. There were two guys in their lawn sort of using a bandsaw on like big slats of wood. And over all of that sound, I could still hear the really sort of high pitched tones coming out of the speaker. So if I, I firmly believe that, you know, if you're used to that kind of thing, you could easily find whatever's attached to an air tag purely based off of the sound coming from the speaker. But obviously I think everyone knows that if you're looking at air tags, it's probably because you like the idea of precision finding, which uses the mm-hmm. U1 ultra wideband chip inside the air tags. That's that basically functions as a, a high frequency radio beacon. So the U1 chip in your iPhone 11 or your iPhone 12, uh, I guess. So the Apple Watch Series 6 and the HomePod Mini also have U1 chips. So maybe mm-hmm. you, you will see some sort of uh, interplay between those devices and the air tag soon, but we'll see. But you can use any uh, U1-equipped iOS device right now once you're running the iOS 14.5 update. Like, you'll just get visual on-screen directions. Like, once you've set this thing up, which is, again, dead simple. It is as easy as setting up your AirPods. Once that's done, you open the Find My app. It'll show you where your AirTags are, its last known position if you're not nearby. And you have the option to just hit a Find button. So once you're in Bluetooth range, so about 30 feet, you'll start getting uh, on-screen directions, like a big arrow basically mm-hmm. pointing you to exactly where the AirTag is. And I I was fully expecting this to not work as well as <laughs> it was displayed because like this, this is like the one feature that really kind of sets an AirTag apart from a tile. And I would be fully cognizant, I'd be fully okay with the fact that, you know, maybe it's not perfect. Right out of the box. But uh-huh. I, I found my keys every single time. It is legitimately that cool. I have three things to bring up. <laughs> Pretty much three questions, more or less, coming up from the chat. 
Uh, one, a couple people, I believe Josh Sakdeva and Kylo Tech, both brought up the fact that since the battery is removable, couldn't someone who found your misplaced belonging or lost item just remove the battery to prevent you from recovering it? Uh, I will also point out at the same time that Mark Dell later then uh, said that, well, someone who wants to steal your stuff could also smash your tile tracker with a hammer. So almost a moot point. But V, <laughs> does Apple have anything built in to prevent the wrong person from removing that battery. I actually think of the ability to remove the battery as a net positive. To your, to your point and, and to the point of everyone in the chat saying this, if someone wants to steal your stuff, they're going to find a way to take your stuff. The Theoretically, the nice thing about the AirTag is that it connects to Apple's Find My Network, which is made up of close to a billion, they say, iOS devices, plus a bunch of third-party hardware that's compatible. And basically, the point of the Find My Network is once uh, the Bluetooth identifier of your AirTag is sort of spotted by one of those hundreds of millions of devices, that information gets routed back to iCloud, which then gets routed to you. So unless the person who stole your keys or wallet or whatever with an AirTag attached, unless they remove the battery immediately, there's a half decent chance that the location will get picked up through the network and you'll get a pretty rough sense of where the thing is. But then again, if they wanted to steal it, they could definitely just take it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I will say the plus of having the battery uh, being removable here is uh, in the rare and perhaps extremely unsettling situation where someone decides to slip one of these on you without your knowledge to track your location. Um if that is the case, and Apple is very aware that this is a possibility, the AirTag will sort of move. At, it'll, it'll. If it's moved, it'll make a sound. If it knows it's not near its owner, it hasn't been near its owner for a while. And once you sort of notice that that's happening, you can just pop out the battery, and whatever tracking was happening is no longer happening. Mm-hmm. Mm. Or you can smash it with a hammer, like. Or you can smash it with a hammer. Yeah, I, <laughs> um, I think that's more fun. <laughs> that's but. more fun. Yeah. <laughs> or also, I believe because uh, I was writing out the news post, I believe there's also you can use uh, an iPhone or an NFC enabled phone to uh, disable tracking on any l- tracker that's not yours on your person. Mm. Uh, that's what the the press release said. I'm not sure if you've gotten around to testing that V. I, I have not gotten around it. to that yet. I know you can use an iPhone or sorry, an Android phone rather to scan the tag by NFC and it should show you the mm-hmm. serial number. And if it's if the air tag has been set to yep. lost mode, you'll see like someone's phone number and their name. But yeah, there are ways to identify air tags that you find attached to yep. items or to yourself. So I did say three things at the start of this little bit. Uh, The second thing I wanted to point out was our very own Nicole Lee is in the chat. And she said a huge oversight is that they didn't build AirTag, the AirTag thing into the Apple remote because hello, it's the one thing you always lose in Mm -hmm. the couch. And Mark Dell followed and I bet up and asked. There's still no speaker. Yeah, on that. Yeah. yeah, Mark Dell did follow up and ask, doesn't the Apple Remote have a Finder built in? But Nicole uh, also said that it doesn't have, I believe, the U1 nope. chip, and it also does not have the Finder built in. Yeah, it does not work with Find My the Find My app. At, at the very least, Apple just put us put a speaker on that thing, like please. <laughs> like Roku has been doing it for years. So many other companies have figured this out. Um, I do like the fact that the new remote is slightly bigger. So that means you'll probably you'll be less likely to lose it. I'm looking forward to playing with that. Yeah. My my last point and the last thing from the chat that mm-hmm. I want to bring up for this portion anyway is uh Josh Sakdeva or Jonathan Anderson, one of you mentioned or want to ask V, uh, has using the air tag 
been given you the experience of the Alice in Wonderland couch travel, <laughs> like Apple demonstrated in their ad. Were you in caves spelunking? Huh. Um, no, because no one I know has <laughs> no one I know has couches cavernous enough. We we the people I tend to hang out with don't spend a lot of money on couches. So maybe maybe somewhere out there there was a person <laughs> for whom they could wriggle their entire body into the couch and spend an entire day there comfortably. But that's in unfortunately Narnia. no one. I yeah exactly. It's <laughs> it's the sequel to Narnia, the Chronicles of Narnia Two: Couch and Servant. There you uh, go, man. Um, but did you have any other thoughts to share about the what you've been able to experience with the AirTag and the purple iPhone so far? The purple iPhone. Let's just. You forget it. Like it's, it's, purple. Purple. it's purple. I don't know. Listen, I, I'm waiting for your very long review, Chris, about the uh, the purple iPhone. Like, really, what makes it different? How is it faster than the current one? The pur- look, I, purple just oh, feels man. like a faster color. You know what I mean? It's just so fast. <laughs> um, so purple iPhone is purple. Uh, with respect to the AirTags, I, I think the one thing I want people to sort of take away from now is we have not had the chance to fully test everything that is going on with these things so far, but the out-of-the-box experience, the sort of simplicity that Apple has been playing up basically since the event, that all very much seems to be well taken care of, which is maybe not a surprise, but but I do have to admit, and here's a pro tip for anyone who just happens to ever have a problem getting this to work. If you are the kind of person who restores your iPhones from backups, make sure location services are turned on for the Find My app. I, mine wasn't. I was testing the purple iPhone with a backup that I had saved. I don't even know when. And I had disabled location services for that app. So I spent a good hour and a half with our video guy like, AirTags air suck. These don't work at all. I can't even pair them. And it was there's in in his archive somewhere. There is like a fully completed video of me just like tearing these things apart because I was too much of an idiot to like triple check that that was on. So if your AirTags do eventually have trouble pairing, if that doesn't happen immediately, or if the Find button never shows up in the Find My app, you should probably double check that. <laughs> Good to know. All right, Chris Velasco, thank you so much for diving into this new hardware with us. Uh, I really, I am expecting a very long Purple iPhone review on the site very soon. Where can we find your work on the internet? If you would like to see my 10,000 word opus on the Purple iPhone (laughs) delivered serially, you can follow me at Chris Velasco on Twitter or email me, because I do like emails, at vadengadget.com. So let's dive into some other news. There's something we missed last week, actually, which was kind of a big deal. Microsoft bought Nuance, the speech recognition company, for $19.7 billion. That's a lot of money for a company I think most people haven't heard of or pretty much only associate with Dragon, naturally speaking, even if you do. Um, Just wanted to say, like, this is a big freaking deal, uh, mostly because... Nuance is a company that has been known in the voice recognition space for being kind of a bully. They, and honestly, kind of a Microsoft, like they are known for (laughs) holding a lot of patents, buying patents and pushing out smaller competitors, um, either because of the patents they own or pushing them out and buying the the patents from those competitors. So they're a bit of a, you know, patent bully. They've kind of like held a lot of the technology and uh, IP in this space and all of that is going straight to Microsoft. So that is going to be kind of interesting because one thing we've seen as we've been covering Microsoft and Google and everybody over the last few years is this push for like 
better uh, better AI for speech recognition and language recognition, things like that. So these apps can automatically uh, transcribe what you're saying. Uh, both Microsoft and Google offer that functionality, um, but also the ability for like you know computer voice to just sound more natural too. I think like between what we're seeing on um, smart speakers, between Alexa devices and Google Home and everything, you want you want to be able to talk to your computer in a natural way, and that is becoming more and more important. So that is nearly $20 billion Microsoft spent to become more of a leader in this space. And I think that's pretty interesting and could have profound implications down the line. Any thoughts on this, Sherlyn? I guess I want to point out for one thing that, uh-huh. uh, of course, this deal, like every other big deal, is yep. subject to regulatory you know, checks and balances. There could still be things coming up that might prevent them from actually going following all the way through with this. But it is expected mm-hmm. to be done by the end of the year. Um, and for me, Nuance is a company I used to cover like in my old job, which is like mm-hmm. ages ago now. And uh, I mean, when you describe them as a bully, I didn't think about that until I realized that like how aggressive they used to be with their oh, PR. Yeah. They're um, hardcore. Yeah. they're pretty like, but they did, you know, they, they didn't pioneer. I don't know how, if I would say pioneer the speech recognition space. They maybe. did. I mean, it feels, but they were one of the early big players. Like they were yes. way in there, way before a lot of like Google and Apple and Amazon were. Before I mean, they were in there before, Echo, yeah, before the de- those companies. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So for me, like, I think yes, it's like good for, I mean, it's interesting to see what will how this will play out, A, for Microsoft, whether this will help Cortana, whether this will help a lot of other um, Mm -hmm. speech recognition things. But also, I'm not as familiar as I should be about Nuance's ability to uh, recognize people speaking with speech impediments. I think that's a very important Mm -hmm. space Mm -hmm. in speech recognition Mm -hmm. lately that people like uh, companies like Amazon and Google have been actually paying attention to. They've teamed up with Voice ITT, I believe is the name of the uh, company that's working on AI that will recognize people who speak with speech impediments and recognize what they're mm-hmm. saying. So, you know, if, if Nuance has already got a lead on that, that would be a huge yeah. thing for, for Microsoft. But I uh, would I, imagine, I'd imagine they do, right? Like, and that's a huge accessibility thing that you're talking about, Trillin. Like mm-hmm. a lot of companies use Nuance's tech. Whenever you call a company and you get like, uh, you know, say what your problem is out loud. And right. then, the voice chain like uh, takes your problem and kind of sends you through to another line or something that is powered by speech recognition technology. In many cases that's powered by nuance. You just don't know it. Um, so that sort of thing too. I think it's going to be, yeah, you're, you're right. You're right. For speech impediments and for all sorts of things, having a computer understand the way all of us speak, um, no matter your accent or any impediments is going to be huge moving forward. I can imagine, you know, in 10 years, I I almost see I, I like the movie Her, you know, Spike Jones Her because <laughs> yes. when it comes to computer interfaces, the what that movie portrays is just a world with audio recognition. There's no keyboards, there's no mice in that movie. Go back and watch it. People are sitting in front of monitors, but they're just talking to their computers in a really like organic and natural way. Um, no input devices, you know, unless, uh, except for the scene where he's playing with the, uh, the video game at that point, maybe, yeah, you need a controller. Um, but I do think we're kind of getting to that future, this Microsoft nuance deal, um, once it, if it goes through and I think it most likely will, this isn't like, this doesn't feel like a monopolistic thing in the way that a lot of other potential, uh, mergers feel like. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I feel, I feel like this is going to be something we'll look back on and think it's going to be a big moment in this space. 
Any other thoughts for Lynn? Like, what are you, what are you seeing from Google on this end? I mean, yeah, like, like Amazon, uh, Google also f- recently announced that they're, you know, teaming up with Voice It or Voice ITT. <laughs> voice uh-huh. ITT, one word. So I'm just going to say Voice yeah. It, Voice ITT. Um, and and you know, they're the they're the company that is uh, using sort of AI to learn your unique speech patterns by using statistical mm. modeling and machine learning. This is what this is what the website says. Which, by the way, sounds very similar to uh, Dragon, which. As you were talking, I was looking it up. Dra- uh, Dragon, which is Nuance's, uh, one of Nuance's many speech recognition apps. The Dragon Anywhere Dictation app uh, also learns a person's voice and mm-hmm. supposedly becomes more accurate over time and is one of the apps that uh, a website called Disability Horizons uh, recommends as among the top di- dictation apps. So, mm-hmm. you know... Instead of partnering with Voiceit or Voice ITT, like Google and Amazon have done, Amazon uh, Microsoft seems to have just gone ahead and bought Nuance, which brings with it not just these like speech impediment, um, you know, skills, uh, speech recognition skills for people with speech impediments, but all of that extra like good everything stuff that they already They're, have. So yeah, yeah. I, there's I mean, so much stuff in there. It is kind of well. Let me tell you guys a story, right? So when I was working in IT. I once was assigned to help um, a girl, like a, a college kid, who spent her entire weekend just working. She worked for like 30, 40 hours straight. She destroyed her wrists because she was mousing around so much. Oof. Like she had to be put in casts in both hands. So my job was to find a tool to help her kind of at least do some things, uh, you know, type, engage with the computer, things like that. So I ended up setting her up with Dragon, naturally speaking, in like 2004, I think, or 2005. So... The tech was, it was actually around for a while. Like, that stuff has been around since the 90s, I believe. So she was able to do basic amounts of work, write emails, do things like that, just through voice command. And that is, like, I think about that pure accessibility mode where, like, you can't Mm -hmm. even hold a mouse. You can't even really hit keys because your wrists have to stay really rigid. And it worked pretty well back then. Um, So I can only imagine it's getting better. I hope it is. Um, I don't know why I can't just, like, speak out loud and just have Windows listen to me. Cortana is all right. And mm. some of the on-screen, like, hey, um, if I enable voice uh, commands and say, hey, launch the start menu, do all this stuff. Some of it works fine. Microsoft is getting better at it. Um, but it's not great. Yeah. So imagine that tech integrated right into Windows. And all of a sudden, it seems really, really interesting. So I'm excited to see where this goes. Yeah, I'm glad to see more companies um, pay attention to the importance of, like, their tech being used by people with speech impediments mm-hmm. because voice like you like you just were sort of highlighting is one of the more predominant uses of technology or ways we interact with technology nowadays so we can't leave people out speaking of big microsoft acquisitions um we did i forget if we talked about them potentially trying to buy discord but it turns out uh the wall street journal reported this week that discord is ending talks with microsoft and kind of ending talks with Everybody, because they want to stay independent and they want to IPO, which is the hot new thing. And I can't blame them. I really can't, because I think for a lot of people, Discord has become this sort of like um, essential tool, right? I think of it like the way I used to always have an IRC chat client open in the 90s or something. Like it is as essential. It is, you know, just as zippy and uh, easy to use as IRC, but also take some learning. But can do a lot more it could do video chats it could do audio chats you know it can do it can be the place you are as you hop around uh different games with your group of friends or something so i'm not surprised by this Sherlyn, i know 
I think uh, for our personal chats, you've been trying to move everybody over to Discord, <laughs> which I find find kind of hilarious because uh, you're not quite the gamer girl yet. But how I, are you like in Discord? I know you're spending more time on it. I enjoy uh, <laughs> that people have this perception that Discord is for gamers. And I know that that's where it started. But I, I think I told my I mean, cousin one time. Yeah, yeah. Yes. But I told my cousin once and she's one of those like, very much like I'm a gamer, capital G sort of yeah. person, which gets on my nerves a little bit. But uh, <laughs> it doesn't mean like, that Discord can't be for uh, other people. Cooking, yeah. Uh, and yeah, there's this like Jess and I, Jess Condit, our our senior reporter, and I talk often about how you know trying to pigeonhole people into gamer or not is kind of like a yeah. not yeah. not a great thing. But anyway, Discord is a great chat app whether you're a gamer or not in my opinion. I like that there's a lot of features um mm-hmm. like what Devinder pointed out, video chat, audio chat. Um and I was actually going to take issue with the fact that they also did just push out like a clubhouse style stage yeah. or stages yeah. feature, but I mean, Discord's already had its audio chat for like... They've done that forever. Forever. And um, my issue with it was going to be no like um, translation... I'm sorry, voice captioning or real-time subtitles for that. And that was always my issue with Clubhouse, which is it leaves out people Mm -hmm. who are hard of hearing or deaf. Um, But thankfully, I guess, Google to their rescue because Chrome can subtitle everything, all audio that's playing through your uh, Mm -hmm. computer's... Well, your browser anyway, so that's nice. Um, so I guess I'm not going to like if you if you run Discord through your browser, you can do that. And there's that. Yeah, but if you're on that. a PC, there's you're usually you're probably on the app. Like most likely yeah. you're on the app. But that is another thing that we can expect from the Microsoft and Nuance Union. Because imagine, oh, not it just in so your browser, but in the across OS. all of Windows. Yeah, yeah, in the OS, like built in. If you could get instant subtitles and everything, I think that would be pretty fantastic. And like. Yeah. A quick word on like captioning too, by the way, like I know we, so for, for the podcast, we have it manually closed captioned and um, we make space for that. I, I will say that when I've read closed captioning across YouTube and stuff like that or subtitles, more often than not, I find that like the AI generated one can be actually more accurate than the manual one because the manual one, mm-hmm. they can struggle to keep up with live content. Yeah. Yep. Um, of course, like pre-recorded content is is more accurate to have a person do this, but live, I think it is a big challenge, it's a challenging task. So yeah. Um, yeah. I will say that good speech recognition will be very helpful in future for like live captioning. Oh, um, man, yeah. That would be so great if Microsoft was able to bring it to the Windows OS. That would be amazing. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Google's looking at that nuance acquisition and going, huh, hmm. <laughs> is our is our stuff as good? Because actually, um, going back to like Android's, uh, you know, Google Voice Assistant and even uh, Apple Siri, Nuance's voice recognition was powering all that stuff in the cloud, folks. Like Apple didn't build that; um, they mm. had partnered with Nuance and kept it really on the down low. So yeah, yeah, everyone's kind <laughs> of relying on Nuance, and now Microsoft has that. Ooh, it's gonna be. I think we'll it's gonna be interesting. See. We'll see. <laughs> Discord, I think, is probably better off staying independent. Um, I I think Microsoft is a much better company now than they were like 10 years ago. I've just been covering them very closely. Under Satya Nadella, like they've grown a lot. They've done a better job of bringing in other companies. Um, But they are also a company that already has so many things. Like people are bringing up Microsoft Teams in our chat. And like, yeah, I mean, Teams, (laughs) not quite the same thing, but Teams is in a similar space. And I don't know if Microsoft quite knows how to juggle all that. Um, And Discord, I think, will probably... uh Uh-huh, go ahead. 
I was just going to say, it's also like, how many things does Microsoft want to buy in one week, right? Like Discord, Nuance, <laughs> come on. I know you have money, Listen, but like, come on. They can. They can. <laughs> they can. They try to buy TikTok. Two trillion dollars. Two trillion dollars. Microsoft could afford. But they're after a the youngs. They're clearly yeah. after the youngs, right? Discord and the TikTok. The youngs and the olds in the cloud, the basically. That's the uh. Cloud. But if Discord stays independent and the IPO, like they'll probably be worth a lot more than um you know what Microsoft would pay. And I may think maybe they're getting to the point where like okay, let's build our value up even more because we're an essential tool for so many people. And then um. Then when somebody wants to buy them, maybe it'll be much more than whatever Microsoft was offering. I think the story was $10 billion. It could go higher if they, value, if they you know, built up their own value more. I, I would say, and I, I think I've heard this being talked about by other people, uh, people seem to think Amazon buying Discord might be the fit, right? Because Amazon owns Ooh. Twitch. Ooh, yeah. So th- that makes me even more uncomfortable, but... That would be bad, yeah. You know, I, oh, imagine the ads for shopping in your Discord chance. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I think um. like we do need companies like this who are just like, nah, we'll keep your ten billion dollars. You know, we'll we'll go it on our own. Um, just looking at the state of communication right now, Discord has such a lock on this market. There is no other game communication tool that is so strong. And then that is the core market. And then they could bring in other people and casuals and things like that. Um, oh, casuals like yeah. me. And and I'm loving casuals, it because yeah. it reminds me of MSN Messenger that the rest of the world used, except for America. Um, and uh, yeah, <laughs> it reminds me of that in part because like, I mean, you can't do like things like stat- change your status or whatever that's AIM and, and sure, MSN used sure. to do that. But it can do like, oh, what are you playing on Spotify? What game are you playing? And it's like a status mm-hmm. um, indicator, I guess, <laughs> under your name, which is Other kind of fun. did that. Other things did I, that. I know, um, but like, I guess like I, so most of the chat apps I use these days don't, right? Like Discord yeah, is today, the most yeah. popular mm-hmm. slash, I mean, it's built for that purpose. It's built yeah. to show what I, you're gaming and share with the world. It was really all about ICQ back in the day, right? ICQ or no, like Trillion. ICQ, IRC. IRC. <laughs> well, also the apps like Trillion, which also were able to like bring in all the multiple services. Like that's where I was because mm. uh, I had like all the, all the little dots for my AIM friends, my MSN friends and things like that. I used AIM uh, Buddy, I think, to pull in all ooh. of the different services. I forget what anyway, service I used. Not what Trillion, is, though. What's old is new again because in so many ways Discord is just IRC yep. vibes all yeah. over again. Yeah. IRC vibes, that. baby. In other Microsoft news, I just want to shout out something really quickly. Uh, Xbox Cloud Gaming, they are now sending out invites to, uh, uh, you know, um, subscribers, uh, Game Pass Ultimate subscribers who are on iOS and Windows PCs. And that's really interesting because so far that's been a service, um, you know, that lets you play games over the cloud if you have a controller. Um, Really, it's only been for Android devices, so Android phones and tablets. Uh, now it's going to be a lot more open. We've talked about this before. I think for a lot of people, this opens up games in a new way because you don't need an Xbox. You don't, yeah. like Sherlyn, you can go and subscribe to this thing and whenever they fully open it up, play a game um, pretty decently in your browser or you know on an iOS device if you had one. Um, right now you could just do it on your Android stuff too. So kind of, kind of like it's not earth-shattering news because they haven't opened it up to everybody yet but it is happening i think this is going to be a big deal for xbox cloud gaming um you know sony has some stuff sony has remote play but so does xbox at this point um this is going to be an interesting battle but it just seems like microsoft is doing all the right moves for uh for xbox cloud gaming 
Uh, I'm I'm really digging it. They're just they're so smart about a lot of these things. Any thoughts here, Sherlyn? Oh, I'll, I guess I'll try a game out. <laughs> uh, try a get game. a controller. <laughs> I need. I think yes, that's the I first thing I need you a is controller. a controller. Yes, yes, that you can send me. Thank you, Devendra. That's the sort of stuff I I will have space for. Um, but no, I mean, yeah, I, you have space for a fire. I had to mail Sherlyn a fire extinguisher because this girl cannot be trusted with microwaves. Apparently, so. I've used a microwave every day for the last four or five years. I couldn't be trusted with <laughs> one in space when last, because I was confused. When last have you used one without causing a fire? That is our countdown. That's our uh, when last has there been an accident? Yeah, I think in that was like place. how many years now? Twenty <laughs> sixteen. Five not, years. It's still too soon. Five years without soon. a microwave accident. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. Yes. Another piece of news. And I think this one's a little fun. There was a story going around that Amazon wants to open oh my gosh. a hair salon. I love this. In London, powered by this. AR to let you like preview <laughs> different hair colors and stuff. This is all you. This what's, sure uh, is all what's going on? This is the weirdest little like piece of news. Beauty tech is something I've covered for a long time now because I'm interested in it. I want to be more beautiful. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> <laughs> this technology isn't new. Using AR, yeah, I guess, yeah. to overlay colors on your hair is something that, like, can I, if pardon my French <laughs> here, a shit ton of selfie <laughs> editing apps have been able to do, and quite accurately for a while now. Now, okay, accurate is, is subjective because sometimes they don't understand where your hair end, ends and where your neck begins or whatever. But mm-hmm. um, basically what Amazon is doing here is a real physical location, a salon, uh, with these like mirrors that have iPad look like things or m- maybe fire tablets mounted on them. It would to, have to be, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. it would have to be. To to <laughs> uh, run an app that will, you know, apply these colors on your hair so you get a sense of sense of like what your the color will look like before you sit down and pick it with your hairstylist and like as a person who goes and spends hours in a salon just to get like her hair the right color and as a person who has not 4c or more like 3 3c hair i know how like my hair is coarse my hair is very dark my hair is thick mm-hmm. and i have a shit ton of it and like i th- this process is one that like is very personal to me, right? And mm-hmm. you can spend hours poring over like one of those books where they, they bring out books where they have little strands of like fake hair with all the colors on it to tell you what like shade <laughs> your hair will be. It's got a lot to do with what the base color of your hair already is, first of all. Like if you have light hair, you're it's easy for you to achieve lighter colors. But if you have dark hair like mine, there's a limit as to how high you like how light you can go without like bleaching or without like destroying your hair and frying it Mm -hmm. um so my the reason i bring all this up is because i i'm sure the hairstylists are there to help out and and kind of advise along this process but if you put on like a wild color through the app on your hair say like green or like lime green say you want lime green hair because billy eilish ditched it or something (laughs) you're like or well hers was fluorescent but you know you you'll need to temper your expectations right i don't know how like the app is going to do that like will it first recognize the root color of your hair and then just be like well here are all the colors that we have in the store that are available for you uh keep your expectations low but you know this is all very basic tech right to me it's not like (laughs) a hugely groundbreaking thing and in fact you know 
Amazon already introduced like this thing called live mode in 2019 in its mm -hmm. app that will let you apply makeup on your face before you buy things. Like, and again, once again, lots and lots and lots of selfie apps, Sephora apps, and mm -hmm. Benefit has done all of stuff like that for a long time now. So I just, I guess I'm just reiterating the point that this isn't very new, except for like <laughs> Amazon new. is bundling it into mm -hmm. like a physical space and using what looks like a ton mm -hmm. of Redken products. And I can imagine <sighs> though, this is as they call it, uh, learnings for Amazon, right? Because they're going to get a lot of data from people who try this out and that could eventually be applied to their own mobile apps or something. And they could be like, hey, uh, just point this at your face and it'll tell you all the products it needs, all of the products you need to make your hair better, you know, or yeah. to make your all your beauty measurement better. So I can imagine, hey, I go on Amazon to find a lot of <laughs> stuff. Like I, I had to get new clay mask stuff and it's like, what do what do I get? There's like 20 things. There's there's so many things to get. So if you could just yeah. point your camera at your face and Amazon could be like, ooh, buddy, you need an exfoliator. <laughs> there's <laughs> a lot of uh, yeah. apps and mirrors that offer that too, but I, I still no, doubt but the accuracy. Right it, into the Amazon store. Just like, oh, I'm just going to start putting some stuff in your cart, you know, just yeah. like check it out, buy it or not. Hey, I, you <laughs> could turn on instant buy here. You don't even have to, you don't even have to confirm. Just like, let me, let me just right. keep shipping you all this stuff. Uh, to, to, yeah. Gosh. To point out, I mean, that's a good thing to like, to just kind of point out, right? Like um, similar to Amazon's checkout list, grocery stores, uh, you know, the salons will have like, or the salon anyway, will have um, QR codes that you can scan to buy items. So for example, you want to buy like a serum or a heat mm -hmm. protective spray before you leave the salon, you can just, uh, you know, scan a QR code and see the uh, product page on the Amazon site. So there's that level of convenience there because like for mm -hmm. me, when I want to like buy conditioner or whatever after, before I leave the salon, I either have to pay and buy it in person or, you know, like go to their website, which is something I did recently because I went for my uh -huh. one pandemic haircut. And like, I was like, I'll support <laughs> you. I'll buy like your, your hair products. And I had to visit their website or something. And like, you have to enter your, they didn't your have payment any, info so the salon again. didn't have stuff in the store you could just walk out with. They did, but I, I bought some and then they were also uh -huh. like, if you want to refill or like support us, we're okay. running this special sale on our website. I'm just like, okay, hey, well. that's, that's pretty good. Actually, local businesses, if you have a favorite local business yeah. and you want to support and you don't want them to die because of the pandemic, please uh, please check mm -hmm. these things out. I will I will stop hating on the AR salon and wait till I see it and, and see how much these AR dye jobs cost before I, I, you know, evaluate or judge this service, even though I'm pretty judgy right now anyway, but. <laughs> right now? Right, um, all my life. <laughs> Yeah, let's but, go on. <laughs> Next story is all you, whatever you want. Yes, I mean, I'm going to continue to be judgy, but about a different company. Hey, did you know that Fitbit has a super stylish tracker that it just launched this week called the Lux? In case you can tell from the name, it's very Lux. This is this is a tracker. This is not a smartwatch. Um, so it's very mm -hmm. much uh, basically very similar to the Fitbit Ulta that I believe back in 2018 or 2016, I'm trying to remember the year now, uh, 20, ooh, 2016 perhaps? And then th that was a Fitbit Ulta, and that was um, Fitbit trying to do like a stylish tracker, a stylish band. And even back then, I was unimpressed. It's not stylish. It was just like a blockish round thing. 
Blockish and round? Are they oxymorons? Anyway. Sure. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah. But this is a very basic tracker. It costs $150. It's already available in the US. The the you know, we haven't seen it in person, so it's really hard to say if it is so-called fashion forward and effortlessly <laughs> chic, because that's how uh Fitbit described mm-hmm. its new tracker. But the way they've designed it, you know. Here are all the processes and the names of the processes that Fitbit uh, says it used in developing its most elevated tracker. Uh, There was a metal injection molding that created the stainless steel case for the Lux, as well as a metal vaporizing technique for a polished finish on the gold and platinum options uh, for the case. So, you know, lots lots of metal vaporizing and injection molding techniques here to lots make, of metal yeah yeah to make some to make the case just look a little more round and jewel like again haven't mm-hmm. seen this in person i want to stress i might eat all my words right now <laughs> or later when i do see it in person but based on the pictures eh like it's a it's a fitbit tracker like i don't really it's it's bound by certain limits the photo right? has it around like uh you know very silky looking cloth so oh, therefore <laughs> it is more luxurious because of I that was you can say, only wear it with silk yeah that was my favorite thing i i of all the pictures i could have chosen to put as a uh-huh. lead image for that story i chose that one because i was like Fitbit's beautiful tracker is so beautiful they had to do this like billowing sheet of silk around it <laughs> That's how you know it's luck. That's how like, you know it's like, Where's my... Um, I don't feel like you can call any of these things chic and still, until it's like actually the fabric, right? So where is my <laughs> smart silk? You know, mm. like things like that. Like you've checked out the uh, the smart like jean jackets and things like that. Yeah. Thing, but yeah. more stuff embedded into clothing I think will be cool. But yeah, this doesn't seem super exciting, I'd say. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, again, I'll have to see it in person. I will say a lot of the features for that price, $150, are very similar to the Charge 4. And the Charge 4 mm-hmm. is more more square looking. It's more, again, like I said, blockish before. Um, the Charge 4, though, has built-in GPS, mm. whereas the Lux does not. And mm-hmm. otherwise, though, like the features are all basically the same, right? It tracks your sleep. It has a heart rate monitor. They'll do constant heart rate monitoring. It'll do like heart rate variance. It'll do in time. Eventually, Fitbit says this will do also uh, skin temperature variations as well as blood oxygen uh, monitoring. So mm-hmm. lots of features for that price. Again, Fitbit's like core, like at the core, these devices are pretty good at this point. Their sensors are pretty great their fitness and health tracking are more comprehensive than your typical samsung or apple smartwatch so you know again like i guess honestly just yeah. wait till we get our hands on it to see if just, this just wait really and also this still is not the fabled fitbit google collab uh-uh, we're no. still waiting for right mm-hmm. like we're still mm, they still keep putting out these things and we're like no show me what you can do with google yep. that's all uh- i want to see yeah. I will say there was like one little thing that seems like a, a, a quick feature they managed to add since merging mm-hmm. with uh, Google, I believe, or finally completing the the, the acquisition earlier this year. Uh, there's this thing called Google. Uh, is it Pass? No, Google Fast Pair, um, which just helps you set up the Fitbit more easily with the Android phones. Which like, I mean, thanks. You know, like uh, setting up a new Fitbit can be a pain in my butt. And I'm very, very glad that there is mm-hmm. this new feature now. And yeah, to, to Avengers point, this is exactly not the fabled Fitbit meets Google device or watch. That and thing better be great after all this God. waiting. I feel like we've been 
We've been so waiting for something my, cool to happen for so long. Yeah, I know. This morning at 9 a.m. Eastern, I wrote up another uh, embargo story about Mont Blanc's new uh, Summit Light. It's another smartwatch. It runs Wear OS. And uh, it's just about this watch that's been globally available now coming to the U.S. for 860 U.S. dollars. Yes, you heard that right. Uh, <laughs> it's a Mont Blanc watch. What are you, what are you expecting? And here's my thing, though. In that, I took the opportunity in that post to kind of talk about Wear OS right now, right? Like Wear OS's mm-hmm. biggest shortcoming as a wearable platform is it doesn't really track your health and fitness all that well. So a lot of companies like Fossil and Mont Blanc themselves have had to make their own apps or software, I guess, to do that on the and their watches, <sighs> which is such a problem. But now that the Fitbit yeah. acquisition has gone through and Fitbit being such a good like health and wellness and fitness tracking company, I think I'm more excited to see what happens to Wear OS as opposed to just this hardware. Like I think hardware will be great, but I think I'm more interested to see how Wear OS will be changed from that. Uh-huh. I hope, uh, yeah, I hope Fitbit has always had some pretty good software. So I hope they can influence Google because as as we've said many times, Google not so great with consumer platforms and certainly mm. not a... Uh, not things like Wear OS, which has been up and down all over the place for the past few years. Yeah, I'd be very curious to see mm-hmm. how this turns out for them, honestly, like for both of them. Because <laughs> what will be that, you know, where will they butt heads on and where will they both agree with each other? It'll be fun to see. Let's move on to what we've been working on. Another shout out to the Surface Laptop 4. I'm finishing up that review right now. Have to say, I was a little disappointed, as you probably heard in last week's episode. I was a little disappointed that Microsoft didn't update any of the design stuff at oh, yeah. all. But having yep. tested this thing and benchmarked it and everything, there are some things I really enjoy. It is much faster than the last Surface Laptop 3, which actually came out one and a half years ago. That was like the fall of 2019. So extra long ago. Um, and this one, the one I'm testing is the 50-inch model with the uh, AMD Ryzen 4000 series chip. So not their new Zen 3 5000 series chips. I'm really sad that those aren't in there, but this AMD hardware is still pretty good too. Uh, I was able to play Overwatch in like 1080p uh, with high settings. Uh, you know, on a thin and light gaming laptop, like or not a gaming laptop, but a thin and light laptop like this, that's pretty impressive. And that means like it can run most games, you know, pretty well at that resolution, probably even at the native resolution too. So that's good. The keyboard is still great. I just wish Microsoft would like modernize the design a little, but I'm, I'm more warm to it right now, mainly because that keyboard is still so good. Like it feels so, it has such like nice, uh, key travel and depth and responsiveness. And it's so spread out. Like my fingers just feel like they are Every time I put my wrists on that computer, I feel like I just got to type. I got to like my fingers got to move because I have to feel that great actuation in those keys. I also got like um, I think like uh, over 16 hours of battery life, too, which is pretty good because the last one I got eight and a half hours or so. So not as fantastic. So it just seems like my it, it is more of a complete package. It is probably everything I wanted in the Surface Laptop for uh, three a year and a half ago. But it's still nice to see. Like, it's still pretty competitive. It's just not the the most stylish design around, uh, you know. I, I kind of like it, but you're, it's outdated. It's getting a little a little old and, mm-hmm. and boring. Um, it is, I mean, so it is. But, you know, I also have, like, the MacBook Air M1 side-by-side. And that also still has 
chunky bezels around the screens you know um it is not like it is not like xps 13 level bezel-less yet so even apple has this problem too so i give microsoft some credit also the uh the one i'm testing the 15 inch weighs like 3.4 pounds which is pretty reasonable for a 15 inch laptop because the macbook pro 15 inch weighs four pounds the xps 15 weighs 4.5 pounds and you can really feel the difference when you're holding these things. So like when it comes to walking around with the computer all day or traveling with it, something this light and thin, um, yeah. you know, it's noticeable. Yeah. RIP so to I LG like Graham. Now. If, if, if it's still around, I don't know if when LG shut down <laughs> mobile, know. it also meant they gave like, up on mobile. They have not given up on computers yet. I, yeah, I've we'll never see. liked the way the grams feel like they were so light that Little they were flexy. basically flimsy. Yeah. Yeah. But there, yeah. I mean, they were still, I mean, they were f- impressive feats of like technological impressive feats that i would never tell anybody to buy because you don't want you don't want your pc case to flex you have fans and moving parts in there you don't want to like bend it wrong and have something get jammed so uh, no you want a solid case please anyhow uh while you work on that i am you know people are aware there is a samsung event next week on april 28th i will be preparing for that are you freaking kidding me another one i know (laughs) I know. Um, for those who are listening to the podcast and watching us on the stream right now, be sure to come back to the Engadget YouTube channel April 28th at around, I don't know, 9.40 a.m. Eastern. Uh, Samsung's actual keynote kicks off at 10 a.m. Eastern, but Chris Velasco, our senior mobile editor, and I, uh, who you just heard from, um, will be talking to you a little bit before the show just to chit-chat and talk. We like to hang out. And then after... Samsung Raps will also be doing a Q&A and answering all your questions. So come, it's fun. Um, but I'm also working on, I, I hinted at this last episode, but I didn't want to give it all away. I am mm-hmm. in the midst of reviewing the Razer Anzu Smart Glasses. These <laughs> are <laughs> the eyelashes I have on for our stream right now are way too long for these glasses. But these are... <laughs> This okay. is Razer's answer, I guess, to or take on uh, Amazon's Echo Frames. So these are basically glasses with clear lenses, which will for now. Now you're playing music. Play now music. you're playing music. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, that's what they do. They play music. They uh-huh. play whatever. And there are a few differences, right? Oops. Let me let me just. Oh, damn. Okay. There are a few okay. differences. One price. Right, this is fifty dollars cheaper than Amazon's Echo frames, and around in line with the price of the Bose frames. Um, the 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 shape and the style are very similar to Amazon's as well. Uh, I'm gonna have to do a closer head to head to see what the battery life similarity is. But this also, because it's Razer, has a game mode that offers low latency audio when you're playing i've been testing that that's uh not what i want to be wearing for audio you're not yeah i mean this is again this only works with like your laptop and your phone so not not the biggest like and also the game mode uh, i believe only works on your phone so really more for mobile gaming i've tried it out there Stay tuned for the review for my mm. thoughts. Hey, hey. But uh, <laughs> we will be shooting the review video for this later today. So uh, keep an eye out in the co- next couple of days. We will have the full review for you. Uh, but that's what I'm working on in addition to my secrets and Samsung press. Let's move on to our pop culture picks. What do you have to surprise me this week? Uh, this is not 
this is like old school pop culture. This is like mm-hmm. old timey. So um, I can't remember a few weeks ago, I was getting very nostalgic for Flash games. Flash okay. was retired for good Which reason. are all dead now. Yeah. All the Flash games are dead. Yeah. No. So the games are all dead. But I was very nostalgic. I was trying to look up some of these games that I used to play to pass the time when I was a lot younger. And uh, I couldn't find them. So I said, like, I just talked about it on Twitter. And Twitter, y'all came to the rescue. Uh, uh-huh. One person. I'm sorry. I can't remember your name. But. <laughs> One person directed me to Blue Maximus Flashpoint, uh-huh. which is basically this big archive of like Flash content from the web. And I believe they started doing it right around the time when like browsers were announcing they were going to stop enabling or mm-hmm. supporting Flash. And um, again, look, I'm not telling you to go ahead and download this because... You know, if you sure. have issues with Flash, what you know, like you don't want to install Flash on your laptop again. Sure, this so does, does it this, in a container. Does this actually install Flash or like how it does installs this work? Flash does it like within it? a container? Mm-hmm. Um, okay, yeah. So it's not going to be like have I believe no online access for the Flash. You just you download the Flash files um, from the archive in a zip, I believe, um, and then when you or the the library i believe is like all downloaded within this little console that they have and then you can browse through all of the um titles that are available you know what like not only did i find the exact game i was looking for which is a hong kong cafe game by maggie market it's another cooking game this is where you Um, cut your teeth is just silly cooking games um (laughs) But Maggie Market has had a lot of good games. I loved it. it was, she's mm-hmm. a Hong Kong game developer way back when. But um, she, there's also other stuff I came across, which is like this. Just this archive is amazing. There's like a left panel for uh, lists of like things like battle, like uh, room escapes, like just uh, just a whole list, a playlist of room escape games and a whole list of like um, fight games or whatever. And then news like do you remember what was it like new battlegrounds what's that website that like collected all of the flash games davindra did you not do any flash games i think new ben grounds, was saying new it's grounds. new grounds or is it who yeah, that's saying yeah. it's new grounds? i didn't really do flash games because I, I was playing like real goddamn games you know <laughs> like well the flash stuff happened in the 2000s right and so i liked I liked Homestar Runner. I liked the Flash videos and those things, but the games. So, I, so, I so, no, th- yeah. Flashpoint didn't just archive the games. It also archived yeah. all the Flash videos and animations good, good. that were online. Those so, are you good. can, yeah, one of my favorite videos ever, which I saved myself to my own hard drive way back <laughs> when, was the one about the end of the world. It was yeah, a funny yeah. joke Everybody video. Loved it. loved it. Yes. Yeah. So, I saved that. But Flashpoint has that too. But, but what I love about it is also the archive is so vast that, like, I searched for like I was like I'm gonna I want to play a CSI game. Let's see if they have a CSI game. I searched <laughs> for a CSI game. It brought me to this game that I think a school like MIT or something developed mm-hmm. for its forensic science students and was like a very CSI style game, not a real CSI game, uh-huh. but like a CSI style game which teaches you about forensic science. And I was like, I'm getting an education <laughs> from Flashpoint. So it's cool. I'm glad somebody is collecting this stuff and archiving yes. this stuff. I'm sure like technically. The licensing is like a big legal gray area because sure. it's like, oh, you're not, sure. you're not giving any money think, to the people who create these things. But if they're, you, dead, I mean, you can donate to yeah. Blue Maxima, and this is like an archival project, very similar right, to the right. way I guess like archive.org or the Internet Archive is. But I mean, like right. donating to the creators, like that's the thing. Oh, yeah, but yeah, yeah, for sure. hey, if these things are dead and off the internet, I I am fully in the belief that if you can't access it normally, then do it in other ways that may or may yeah. not be. I mean. 
technically legal. they're not for profit. <laughs> I think one of the right, one of the right. ways they're evading that issue is you mm-hmm. know operating as a, as a nonprofit. But yeah, I mean, I if you there's a I reached out to the creator of those games that I love <laughs> um, on Facebook and she hasn't responded. I would be more than happy to pay. <laughs> Who is this rando? <laughs> uh, oh, she she famous. She like a big mm-hmm. person in. No, Hong I mean Kong. you. Oh, me? I mean she's oh, gonna be like, rando. who is this rando yeah. messaging me? This is true. I'm just like, I'll pay. Just make those games again. Give me more. Um. Anyway, that's me. That's like if you miss. Uh, flash content on the web and you want a safer i guess way to access them again install at your own risk but you know that's been keeping me happy how about you dev very cool well i want to shout out a movie i saw and really enjoyed it is called the empty man and i think you'd appreciate this Sherlyn, because it Mm. is it's a horror movie that is also part like mystery part thriller um Ooh. this movie is known oh a creepy a creepy imagery up on our screen um this like is a it. movie yeah it, it reminds me a lot of the gore verbinski american remake of the ring which uh oh. it is about like an urban legend like like a candy man type thing like you say this guy's name in uh in an empty bottle and something's gonna happen within a few Ooh, days but this cool. movie this movie is it's achieved a bit of cult status super mm-hmm. early because this was created under Fox several years ago. The release was delayed for years. Disney mm-hmm. bought Fox and Disney was like, I don't want to touch this movie. Right. So they dumped it. Um, they dumped it on video demand basically over the fall, gave it no permission or anything. But then people in the horror community started like discovering it. And it turns out this movie is pretty good. It's directed by David Pryor. It is so unique in many ways. Like this movie has a 20 minute prologue before even like the main events of the movie start. But the 20 minute prologue of this movie, which is set in the Himalayan mountains and kind of delves into the the thing that leads up to the empty man, that alone, I think, would be enough content, good stuff that would be in an independent horror movie, you know, that mm. would go for 90 minutes. So it's like you're getting so many movies at once. <laughs> then after that prologue, you, you start like the, the actual normal movie and then you start to think, like, oh, this is a weird teen horror thing, right? No, not quite, because it turns into like cults and it turns into like existential horror. Um, so many things I really enjoy, right? I love horror movies that try to be different, that mm. aren't just about the gruesome kills, although there are some of those here too, and at least one that's kind of gratuitous. But I think it's really interesting and really creepy and really gets at the idea of cosmic horror too. Um, I'd almost call it like ontological horror. It's just people who who believe the nature of reality doesn't matter, right? We talked a bit about the the people who think we're living in a simulation. It is sort of like if you take that idea to an extreme and turn it into a cult, and then people are just like, to hell with you know societal norms and the nature of reality. What if we could break our own reality? What if we just want to get back to the existential state of content of uh, chaos and destruction and nothingness that is Ooh. the universe and black space? That is kind of what this movie gets at. So I appreciate that. It's really creative and interesting. It's also one of the best looking horror movies I've seen in a very long time. Like every shot is perfectly framed. Every every sequence seems like it's really well thought out. And it's super creepy. It is one of those horror movies that will get under your skin and hey, we're just we're just gonna show the the creepy skeleton again. Um I like it. Yeah, this is what will get I think me you'd to appreciate watch. it. This picture <laughs> is giving me like I have yeah. to watch this feels. I mean, I hope it's supernatural, yeah. but uh I mean it is <laughs> 
certainly supernatural yeah. oh, and then oh, yes. extra natural and then so Ooh. many so many other things Naturals, yeah. um yeah yeah i really i really appreciate it um stars james badgedale who has been in a bunch of different things. He was in Rubicon, which I really enjoyed. Nobody saw. So check it out. It is worth a rent if you like horror and if you like interesting horror. Uh, I, I've just blind bought this movie because I will be revisiting it quite a bit. So check out nice. The Empty Man. Well, that's it for the episode this week, everyone. Thank you, as always, for listening. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own Terrence O'Brien. The podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find Devendra online at... At Devendra on Twitter and talk about movies and TV at the Slash Filmcast. I'm also going to be starting a podcast all about Trillin's fire safety. If you want to send me all your different ways to say the word purple or all the things I should look up in Flashpoint, you'll find me on Twitter at Sherlyn Lowe. Email us your thoughts and feedback at podcast.engadget.com. Leave us a review on iTunes if you're enjoying the show, please. And subscribe on anything that gets podcasts, including Spotify. I'm just going to scotch tape shit to shit, you know what I mean?